0: Don't you? I know how this works. So good to see you today. Hope you've had a fantastic week. If that describes you, raise your hand this morning. If you had a great week, this one's going to be even better. We're just going to claim that this morning and know that the Lord uh, is, as we just heard in that beautiful song, the master of the wind, the sea. I heard a preacher many years ago that talked about how God was in control of everything And he quoted what scripture says, that he is the owner of the cattle on a thousand hills. And that preacher said he even owns the taters under the hills. So God is so good to us and he blesses us with so many things. And I appreciate the confidence that your deacons have placed in me, met with them a few days ago and Uh, Greed, if it be your pleasure to come and serve with you as your interim pastor, if the Lord leads you to place that calling upon me. I won't be able to start until uh, a couple of Sundays into September because of obligations that I've already made for the month of August. But we'll enjoy this journey together. Amen. Amen? If you have a copy of the Word of God, let me invite you to open it up with me this morning to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5. In just a moment, we're going to begin our reading in verse 15. Read down through verse 21. I want to talk to you this morning about the subject that something is missing in the church today. Something is missing. Let's see if we can discover what that might be as we allow the Holy Spirit to illuminate our hearts and our minds as we open up the Word of God this morning. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning verse 15, Scripture says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Don't you love those verses in Scripture where it's just very apparent what the biblical writer is communicating to us as he writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. You know, there are passages where you have to study them deeply to grasp the meaning. But here Paul writes and he says... I want to tell you what the will of the Lord is. You can't miss this. In other words, Paul is saying, here it is. Here is God's will for you. And what is it? Look at verse 18. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Don't miss that. As a believer, as a church member... As a Christian walking in this world, God's will for you is to be full of the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Pray with me. Lord, thank you for the blessing of this hour. God, you're so kind to us to allow us to have another day with life, with energy. And Father, you have just opened up the floodgates of glory, and bestowed your great grace upon us to allow us to come together as a body of Christ on another Lord's Day, on another Sunday morning, to fellowship together, to worship together, and Father, to learn better your word. Lord, your word is a lamp unto our feet. It's a light to our path, and I pray, Lord, this morning that this word that was written so long ago and it's been protected by you down through these centuries of time, that Lord, you would bless it to our hearing and our understanding today. God help us to understand that truly in the church today and many Christian lives there's something desperately missing and help us Lord to See what it is, and if it's missing in our lives, Lord, would you lead us to do something about it today? I pray and I ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. In the last several years of my life, as I've worked with a lot of churches in this part of Kentucky, I've been asked repeatedly, Alan, what's wrong? I don't think it takes one a long time to observe, to see that there's something that's different with the church today. In fact, many people have asked me, what's missing? What is not in our church today that once was theirs? I've thought about that question. I've thought about all the things that aren't missing. I hope you know today that we are indeed a blessed people. Sometimes folks will say I miss the good old days. And I think I understand what they mean when they say that, but there's some things about days gone by that I don't miss. I remember back in the 70s when my father pastored churches in this area and preached a lot of revivals. If you had to get up and go because nature called, likely you were going outside to an outdoor privy. I don't miss that. We have wonderful facilities. We have great sound systems and good lighting in our churches. We have HVAC systems that can keep it at about 70 degrees Year round, whether it's really cold outside or as it's been in the last few days, really hot outside, we can come in and worship and fellowship together and enjoy a lot of comfort. We're not missing things that we did not have years ago. We have a lot of information in the church today. You can go home this afternoon and get on Dr. Google. And put in a few search terms. If you're looking for a new Bible study or a new program to use in your church, you can find it very quickly on the internet. You can perhaps pay for it and download it. And voila, all of a sudden you have brand new curriculum for your church. We're not missing that. We have that in the church today. May I cut to the chase this morning and tell you, what I believe with all of my heart that many of our churches and many believers in our churches are missing today is simply this, a genuine filling of God's Holy Spirit. Now we could do away with a lot of things. We could go back to the way it used to be and we could still enjoy the blessings of God. We could trade our Fancy buildings and our projection systems and our microphones and the lighting system. We could trade all of that for the way it used to be and we could still enjoy the blessings of God. But I want you to hear me very clearly this morning. We cannot be the people that God wants us to be until we're full of God's Holy Spirit. And so I've come this morning to ask you a very personal question because here's what a church is. And you know this, but we need to be reminded of it this morning. A church is not a building. And a church is not a program. And a church is not a budget. But a church is a congregation of people. And a church is really only as strong as its weakest member. And so I'm asking you a very personal question this morning. Right now, right here in this very place today, are you full of God the Holy Spirit? Are you enjoying the fullness and the filling of God's Holy Spirit? There are three ways you can answer that question. I would hope that many of you could raise your hand this morning and say, Alan, I know, as a matter of fact, that today I am full of the Holy Spirit. And if that's your honest answer, I know I don't look like a cheerleader, but that's who I want to be to you this morning. I want to cheer you on because I believe that Rockcastle County, Kentucky, needs that a whole lot. Born again baptized believers full of the Holy Spirit of God that will go out and push back the darkness that's so prevalent in our culture today. So if you could raise your hand and say, yes, I'm full of God's Holy Spirit, this is going to be a good day for you because I am here today simply to encourage you. Now others of us this morning, if we were really honest, we would have to say no. And I imagine that in a congregation like this, there's at least a person or two sitting out there under the sound of my voice, and you know that today you're not full of the Spirit because today you're full of other things. Some of you are too full of yourself to be full of the Spirit of God. Some of you are too full of the things of the world to be filled with the Spirit of God. There might be someone here today and you have unconfessed sin in your life. And if you're here today and that describes you I can tell you unequivocally that you are not full of the Spirit of God because light does not exist with darkness. And so some of you would say today, you know what? I know what it means to be full of the Spirit. I've been there before. I've walked through life being filled with the Spirit. I've worshipped in the fullness of the Spirit. But Alan, you're right. Today, I'm not. I'm frankly not full of the Spirit. There's one other way you can answer my question this morning. While you would like to say yes, and you don't know that it's an emphatic no, some of you might say, I honestly don't know. If you're asking me if I'm full of the Holy Spirit of God, my honest answer back to you, Alan, is I just don't know. In fact, many of us might would say that. We'd love to say yes. We don't want to say no, but the truth of the matter is we don't know. I'll tell you why that is. In the Baptist church, We've not taught like we ought to teach, and we've not preached like we ought to preach, and we've not appreciated the way we ought to appreciate God the Holy Spirit. Now listen to me closely. We believe in the Trinity. Amen? Baptists, that's... Well, we believe that's our doctrine. We believe that's what the Bible teaches us. We believe that there is one God who demonstrates or manifests Himself as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And listen to me closely. As much as the Father is God, Jesus Christ, His Son, is also God. And as much as Jesus is God, the Holy Spirit is also God. And so if we love the Lord, if we love our Savior Jesus Christ, we ought to love and know the precious gift we've been given in God the Holy Spirit. But many of us don't know what we ought to know about the Holy Spirit. And so when I ask you that question, many would say, I really don't know whether or not I'm full of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you my mission, my objective this morning. My objective with you is to eliminate that last answer. In other words, I want us to arrive at a time in just a few minutes where you know where you can say, yes, I'm full of the Spirit, or you have to say, no, I'm not full of the Spirit. I don't want one of us to leave here this morning not understanding what it means to be filled with the Spirit. I've already pointed out to you from our passage this morning that this is what God wants for us. So let's just settle that from the outset this morning. God wants us to be full of His Spirit. He wants us, as verse 15 says, to walk circumspectly. In other words, to walk straight. To not veer to the left nor the right, but to walk straight. To be wise people, to redeem the moments, the time that we have in this life. Verse 16 says... Because we're living in dark and difficult, evil days. Again, Paul originally writes this to the church at Ephesus, but I believe with all of my heart, this is a word for the church in America today. You're living in a dark time, culture is off the rails gender identity, sexual confusion. We could go on and on and on with the list. I don't have to remind you of all those terrible things. We're living in dark and difficult days. And so church, it's time to wake up. It's time to redeem the time. To not be unwise, as he says in verse Seventeen, but to understand, to grasp what God's will is and God's will for you and for me as believers is to be full of the Spirit. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to make two observations about these verses. Just two. We'll flesh them out a little bit and then I'm going to come back to my question as we have our invitation in just a few moments. Are you full of? Of the Spirit of God today. Observation number one the Spirit filled life is obedient. Now, again, I want you to look very closely with me at verse 18. In fact, we'll start with the latter part of the verse. Scripture says, Be filled with the Spirit, be filled is the verb that we're working with there. Be filled with the Spirit. How many of you would agree with me this morning that to do something that the Bible tells you not to do is sinful? Right? Now, you all have to get with me this morning. Nod your head like this if I'm right. Okay. Thank you for the affirmation. To do something the Bible tells us not to do, that's sin. That is a sin of commission. We're committing, we're doing something that we ought not do. There's another category of sin, and that's to leave off something the Bible tells us to do. James tells us for one who knows to do the right thing and doesn't do it to him, it's sin. And so the Bible here emphatically is telling us as believers, be filled with the Spirit. Let me work with that verb just a little bit today. And First of all, let me tell you that that in the Greek language, the original language that the New Testament was written in, it's the verb plerao. You don't have to remember that word, but I do want you to remember what it means. It means to be so full of something that there's no room left empty. To be so full that there's no room left empty. I could easily illustrate that for you this morning if you just imagine with me that I had an empty glass in my left hand. And then in my right hand, I had a pitcher of water. As I began to pour the water into that glass you'd watch the level in the glass rise, right? At one point, you could say, that glass of water is a third full. A few moments after that, you could say, that glass of water now is two-thirds full. But imagine I continued to pour the water in that glass until it was right up to the rim. To the point that it was only the molecular cohesion of the water that was keeping it in the glass. In other words, if I just poured in another drop or two, you begin to see the water spill over the rim. When you see it at that level, when it's so full that another drop or two would cause it to spill over, then you would say that that glass is so full there is no room left. Empty, And that's what God is saying to us through the pen of the Apostle Paul this morning in Ephesians 5.18. Be so full of my spirit that there's no room left empty in your life. A.B. Simpson years ago said it like this. He said, it doesn't mean to have a measure of the Holy Spirit and to know a good deal of Christ but to be so wholly filled with the Holy Ghost that you're utterly lost in the life and the fullness of Jesus. That's what Paul's talking about here. To be so full that there's no room left empty. Let me tell you something else about the verb be filled. It's a command. It's in the emphatic here. In other words... You can't leave this off. The Bible says be filled with the Spirit. It's plural in number. In other words, it's for everybody. How many of you believe this morning that that the deacons of this church and all of our churches ought to be men of God filled with the Spirit of God? I believe that. Aren't you looking for a pastor who's the same, a man of God filled with the Spirit of God? Don't you want your Sunday school teachers to be people of the Lord filled with the Spirit of the Lord? I want you to listen to me closely. It doesn't matter who you are. Whether you're the pastor of the church, whether you're the janitor, whether you take care of children in the nursery or work with the youth, whatever you are, whatever your calling is, God's will for you is to be full of the Holy Spirit of God. And What I want to say to you this morning is if you're not, you're not doing what the Bible tells you to do. Because emphatically, it tells you to be filled with the Spirit of God It's plural in number. Let me tell you something else about the verb. It's in the present tense. And so it could be translated like this. Be being filled with the Spirit. I had a conversation just before the service started about the fact that there's some pain at the pump these days, right? You agree with that, don't you? I stopped and got gas before I came to you this morning, so I know there's a little pain at the pump. You know, we had it under $3 for a few days, and now here it is again, gone back up. It's just the way it is. But let me ask you something. If you want to drive, do you have to put a little gas in your automobile? (laughs) Right? You do. I've never been able to wean one of mine. It just wants a little gas every now and then. True story. I was going out on the second date with a beautiful young brunette by the name of Amy Wilson, and I changed her last name, even after the catastrophe of our second date. So I'd gone over to Amy's apartment. We were in graduate school in Louisville, and I went over to pick her up, And I looked at my gas gauge before I I left to go get Amy. And it said I had about a quarter tank of gas. And I thought to myself, you know what, I'm running a little bit late. And I've got enough gas, go get Amy, go where we had planned to go, bring her back to her apartment. And then I can get gas on the way back to mine or first thing in the morning. I didn't. Here's what happened to us. We were out on I-64 at about the Hurstbourne exit in Louisville, Kentucky. Many of you know where that is. And if you know where that is, you also know that that's not a convenient place to run out of gas. So here we are going down the interstate, and I feel it for the first time. You've been there, right? You know, you, you start to get a little sluggish, and then it starts missing, and it misses more and more. And I'm thinking... I'm supposed to have a quarter tank of gas in this thing. And then you start kind of pushing forward yourself, thinking if you give it some of your own energy, maybe you can get it down the road a little bit further. But you know, like I know, when you run out of gas, you're not going to get anywhere. Just not. I don't care who you're with. You're just not going to get anywhere. And I don't mean to be irreverent about God, the Holy Spirit, but let me tell you this morning, the reason that we have so many problems in our churches, the reason why some people don't want to live for the Lord anymore, the reason why so many people say no when you ask them to do something for the glory of God in His church, It's not because they really don't want to. It's because they don't have the spiritual energy to do it. They're no longer full of the Spirit of God. and We try all kinds of things to substitute for it. And I'm telling you, nothing else works. You get a church... It's on fire for the Lord. That means they're full of God, the Holy Spirit. And it's reflected in their worship. It's it's reflected in their work. It's reflected in everything they do. And what I'm saying to you is according to the Word of God, it's just a matter of obedience. The Bible says, be filled with the Spirit. Let me remind you just very, very quickly that when you're born again, you're not the same old bad person trying your best to live a better life. Scripture says that old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. Jesus told Nicodemus, Nicodemus, ye must be born again. And when you're born again, thanks be to God, you get a beautiful birth gift in the presence of God the Holy Spirit in your life. You see, if you're truly born again today, I'm saying to you, having the Spirit of God is not some secondary or third or fourth work of God's grace Having God the Holy Spirit in your heart comes at the moment of salvation. We call it the indwelling of the Spirit. Paul wrote to the Romans in Romans 8 9. And he says, you however are not in the flesh, but you're in the Spirit. If in fact the Spirit of Christ dwells within you, and anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Wow! Did you hear that? The Bible says, if you don't have the Spirit, you're not saved. When you get born again, God the Holy Spirit comes to live within your heart and your life. Simultaneously, He baptizes you into the body of Christ. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, By one Spirit We have all been baptized into one body. God, the Holy Spirit, picks you up out of the world, out of the flesh, out of the darkness you were living in, out of your sin, and He baptizes you. That means He places you into the body of Christ. Aren't you thankful for what the Spirit does for us? He indwells us, He baptizes us, Thanks be to God, He seals us. In Ephesians 4.30, the Bible says, Don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you have been sealed for the day of redemption. I love what that means. You see, God the Holy Spirit who has indwelt you, who has baptized you, God the Holy Spirit is also keeping your salvation from spoiling. That's what it means to seal something. He puts a mark upon you. He identifies you as His own. And He keeps your salvation from contaminating. Aren't we thankful today that we are eternally secure? in the Lord Jesus Christ. And why is that? It's not because of us. It's not because of our works. It's not because we're able to keep the law or not keep the law. It's because of who God the Holy Spirit is and what He does. He seals us for the day of redemption. We've been putting up a few vegetables this summer. Any of you? My mamma did it all summer long. And I love to be around because Pat would do it outside in the old coal packer. And I thought that was fun to be outside with Papaw and get the fire going and set the coal packer and that water in the coal packer down on those embers and it would get hot and boiling and you'd put those jars down in there and then you'd get them out and all of a sudden you'd start hearing them as they snapped and sealed. You've heard that before, right? People would talk to Mamma and say, Miss Carrie, you work too hard. She always said, you know what? When I put up all this for my family, when I freeze it, I promise you it'll taste better than a snowball come January. <laughs> so we know what it means when something is sealed. It's kept from spoiling. And sure enough, come January, it tastes mighty fine, doesn't it? That's what God the Holy Spirit does for you. See, He comes into your heart, He indwells you, He places you into the body of Christ, He baptizes you, He seals you. I say all that simply to make one point, and it's this God does that for you at the very moment of your salvation. There is one indwelling of the Spirit. There is one baptism of the Spirit. There is one sealing of the Spirit. But here's what I'm trying to say to you today. There are many fillings of the Spirit. I just wonder, has there ever been a time in your life when you simply cried out to God and said, Lord, would you please fill me today with your Spirit? Try it. You might like it. Fill me, Lord. Confess your sins to Him. If there's hidden sin in your heart and in your life, you just simply own it before the Lord. Say, God, I'm sorry. Here's what I've done. I'm confessing it to You. I want to be clean in my heart. I don't want to be full of myself. I don't want to be full of sin. Lord, I don't want to be full of anything but You. And so I'm just asking You today, Oh God, would You please fill me with Your Holy Spirit? Fill me. And you come back tonight, I'm, I'm making a good deal with you this morning. I could keep you here another 45 minutes and finish this sermon. Or you can come back tonight and we'll settle this thing then. How many of you vote for tonight? All right. All hearts and minds clear. <laughs> I vote for tonight. I want you to come, will you please come back tonight? I know how Sunday nights are. You know, sometimes we feel like we've, we've come on Sunday morning and we've done our obligation. We're not finished with this. And if God started this in your heart today, come back and we'll finish it tonight. But listen to me. Are you full of God the Holy Spirit this morning? Is it reflected? And we'll talk more about this in detail tonight about how that's reflected in your heart and in your life, in your everyday actions and reactions. We'll talk about that. But I think we're at a point right now where you know or not if you're full of God, the Holy Spirit, it's the obedient thing. Doesn't mean that you're going to run and jump and You know, somebody said the indication of the Spirit's feeling in somebody's heart and life isn't how high they jump or how fast they run in worship, but it's how straight they walk when they hit the ground. I believe that's very true. Old preacher Vance Havner years ago put it like this, so many Christians are so subnormal that when one of them gets normal, everybody looks at him or her as if they're abnormal. But I'm trying to tell you this. This is normative. The normal experience in the life of a child of God is to be full of God's Holy Spirit. My old preaching daddy used to put it like this. If that's not the way you're living your life today, you're living way beneath your privilege. It's a privilege to be full of the Spirit of God. Don't wait for tonight. We're going to finish this tonight, but don't wait for tonight. Here's what I'm calling you to do. Here's what I'm asking you to do. If you know right now, believer that you're not full of God, the Holy Spirit. You don't have to talk to me. But I'm asking you to talk to the Lord about it today. There are some of you that ought to come and pray this morning and just ask for the Lord to fill you with His Spirit. Maybe that's not what He's telling you to do, but but perhaps He's saying to you, go home this afternoon, get you a quiet place. And maybe do what you've not done before in a long time. That's close out the world, get down on your knees, and cry out, Lord, would you fill me today with your promise, Holy Spirit. There's no life like it. There's no substitute for it. And if you're missing it as a believer today, you're not hurting anybody but yourself. And God says, come. You want the best for your church. You're not going to have it when you're putting yourself or your sin or anything else ahead of God's Spirit filling your life. I invite you to stand with me this morning. Would you bow your heads? I want to pray for you. and We're preparing now to sing a hymn of invitation. And I don't often do this, but I feel led to do it this morning. With all of our heads bowed and our eyes closed, there's nobody looking around but myself. If you're here today and you, you say, Alan, I've heard what Scripture says. and really don't think that right now I'm full of the Spirit. Would you just raise your hand? God bless you. God bless you. Well, there's hands all over the room. I'm going to pray for you. And then I'm going to ask you to answer God's invitation the way He leads you to do. And again, that might be to come forward and pour out your heart to God right here in this place. It might be to leave here with an attitude of prayer and take that home with you and go to the Lord with it this afternoon. Whatever God leads you to do, that's all that He expects. But would you do it? Not playing games, not putting it off. Would you make your mind up right now that you're going to do what God has asked you to do? Father God, thank you for our moments together today. Thank you, Father, for the genuineness of your spirit that we've felt and sensed in this place today. And Lord God, if there's one that needs to come and join the others who've already made their way into an altar of prayer with you, I pray that those would come as well. God, thank you. Help us not to play games with this. It's very serious. And oh Lord, we need you. We need your leadership in our lives. We need your spirit directing our paths. And Father God, may this be a day where it happens in our lives to a level that has never happened before. Lord, there may be one here today who's not full of your spirit because, Father, this person hasn't prayed to receive the Lord Jesus as his or her personal Savior. I pray for that person today. May he or she come right now and receive Jesus. God, just have your will and your way in our lives as we wholly submit to you today. In Jesus' name, Amen. As we sing.